0: I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Coach Schneider. And you're listening to the 101st Church Mag Podcast. I want a shortcut. Oh, Fiverr. Oh, Fiverr. Oh. No one wants to hear that, buddy. This week's podcast is brought to you by By the Book. Buy the Book offers several different combinations of church management software that will help you serve your parishioners. Keep track and keep in touch with your members and be sure to take a look at By the Book's stellar kids ministry child check-in system. Learn more at buythebook.com. That's buythebook.com. On this very fine episode, we talk about the Fiverr service not being cheap, and that, unlike popular belief or Facebook ads, there are no shortcuts to online success. If you want to join the conversation, drop us your thoughts via Twitter using the hashtag cmagcast, or email us your words or audio file to podcast at churchmag. Now, let the fun begin. Good discussion. Okay. All right. Here we go. Put on your seatbelt, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. We are so happy to have the 100th uh, episode behind us. This is episode 101. It feels really good not only to have 100 podcast episodes under our belt, but there felt like a lot of pressure. Like, it's the 100th episode, it has to be this or that, and it, it just turned out like all the other episodes, which is not a bad thing, I don't think.
1: It's hard to to go meta for one week, where the podcast is about the podcast being a podcast.
0: Exactly. And because we are the best podcast without context, to put it into a context, just it's a fail. It stifles it. It stifles it, indeed. You know, one thing that I think we see in the online world and the digital world is, uh, and we've talked about it before with uh, Chris Wilson about um, photography. And how it's kind of, in some ways, it's lost its value. I mean, just think about the free photo, Creative Commons zero photos you can download. They are gorgeous. They are amazing. That's why you see them everywhere all over the internet, right? Uh, when you compare it to a stock, uh, stock images photo that you can purchase that is like corny and cheesy as all get out, right? And, and, and so, you know, I think in this very fast, internet world we live in that we often think or are tempted to make shortcuts, and we see shortcuts everywhere. Uh, A few off the top of my head, rather not really off the top of my head, this first example came from Jeremy as we talked about what we were going to talk about today, which was Fiverr, where you give somebody five bucks and they're supposed to create like apparently the most amazing logo for you, which if you really think about it critically, makes no sense whatsoever. Right. And I don't care about people that say they had great success because I can show you just as many as where it was ended very poorly. Okay, Um, And then I've also seen other things around the Internet for shortcuts and the shortcuts include things like uh, how how in 12 months you can make six figures with your blog and junk like that. And I find it ironic that they're selling that because I'm thinking, you know how you get six figures on your blog? You tell people that if you if you purchase your book and follow your blog, you'll get six figures and then everyone will flock towards it. That's how you do it. Um, I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek, obviously. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you want to be successful in what you do, whether it's personally or your church, and you're doing it, in, you know, using using the digital don't let the 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 digital blind you to the fact that the road to success in all this is just like it is in the organic world it takes hard work and dedication i know no one wants to hear that
2: but that's the truth no one wants to hear that buddy i want a shortcut i think that so i think that there's more to this than just what we're saying but we'll come back to that i think that also um this has nothing and everything to do with that but I am a a person that loves YouTube and trying to find people that do YouTube really well. And one of the guys that is doing it really well is called Casey Neistat. And he just hit his first year of dedicating every single day to posting. And he said, hey, there's no secrets going viral. You can do a whole lot of stuff that will help you get to being viral. But ultimately, in the end, it's not up to you. It's up to the entire world, which you have no control over. We love to try to figure out what is that secret thing that's going to give us success And in the world of counseling that manifests into anxiety of how in the world am I going to find a job? Well, you find places that are looking for jobs, you submit an application, and then you wait and hope and pray and and do all the different things you do, whether they're superstitious or religious or whatever else. But at that point, it's outside your control. You got nothing. You write a blog article and you say, I want it to go viral. Great. Write the blog article, make it something that's worth reading. And then let it be. And that's basically all you get. But most of the time, the ones that go viral are the ones that you didn't put that much effort in. So yeah. good luck with that formula. Yep. Yeah, John Aikoff made a statement
1: a few years ago that his biggest um, page views of a single year were um, for three different posts in which he basically just shared somebody else's post. Yes. And mm. when he wrote, he would spend hours writing,
0: writing posts and get no attention at all. Church mags experience our first viral post, which the biggest day did, I think did like 80,000 page views in one day. That was the, the biggest day. And it was a post an infographic. It was Lord of the Rings MBTI thing. And, um, my wife and I tag teamed that, that project, it was mostly her. Um, I just put together the creative stuff for it, uh, and we spent a day and a half working really hard on that, and it really felt it really felt good because we worked hard, and then there were rewards, and it kind of went viral, and it really felt good, right? But then fast forward a couple of years later, and mm-hmm. my wife had clipped a, a, an article about funny texting and parents. And she, she, she clipped it for me and I was looking for a quick post, kind of a candy post, something for fun. And it was for the holiday too. And so I made some tie in about, you know, here you are in church tech and um, you know, family members ask for help and isn't this the way it is? Ha ha ha. Look at these like 12 screenshots that I took from somewhere else on the World Wide web that then took it from another place. I, it took me a little while to find the origin, the quote unquote original source and uh, shared them, and I just took took out the inappropriate ones. Basically, I made it clean. And that post went huge. And the biggest day um, was, I think it broke 200,000 in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, at the end of the year, it had reached um, 4.5 million people on Facebook. And so that was our viral experience. I mean, it going viral is such an oops. It's such an utter warning process, too, right? You were kind of frustrated. That's the one that went viral. Exactly because that isn't ChurchMag. That isn't our. That isn't our overarching mission. That was just a fun post for our solid readership that likes to come and are part of the community. It wasn't so that you know. It w- it w- <laughs> ironically enough, we had to pay for all that, all the serving mm-hmm. server costs and whatnot. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You have no power. Over things going viral, and I
2: think that the people want that tough fix, that quick ten seconds. Because, and let's just be honest and blunt about it: we're lazy, and we don't want to put in the hard work. And that drives, <laughs> first of all, that drives me up the wall. If you're not willing to put in the hard work, Then can get off the internet. Um, quit trying to say, do right. oh, producer, have.
1: pause, pause." That's some pause. serious pushback Every- right there. Yeah. Everyone who's watching cat
2: videos, you've been put on notice. <laughs>
1: Everyone, stop. Step away from the bandwidth.
2: Everyone that's complaining about the content that others are making and not creating their own content, shut up. I don't care. And and I think that it just comes from this sense of that looks really easy. I can do that too. So I'm going to just go be successful like them. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that it comes down to this mentality of oh my goodness, look at what this mega church is doing. I'm going to try to do something that's very similar for. Hundreds of the cost, and I'm going to try to find that same success because it's about the success. It's about the doing something amazing for your church, not for the sake of the gospel, but for so much, so many more sinful, selfish reasons in that process that ultimately is discrediting your ministry and potentially the gospel itself.
0: And I think to look at it positively, I think the internet, <laughs> I think the internet, Twitter, Facebook, all these different things, there has been a leveling in the world. It used to be you had to know people, right? You had to know people or be friends or you know, have the right connections to make things happen. And the internet is this this amazing leveler where, you know, you can directly send a tweet to a celebrity. Like in the and, and and the celebrities will oftentimes reply to those, and so and anything that you do has the potential to become viral, and and that is a huge leveler because for for the first time anybody can become somebody quickly, and I think that that you know. Positively speaking, we can do that with the gospel. We can do that with ministries. You know, especially parachurch ministries who are trying to get the word out to a large group, or or even churches. You know, that uh, want to get out get the word out to the community and stuff like that. You suddenly have an opportunity to reach people uh, they would never have reached before. I know, Phil, you've talked about that with your church doing promotions. You know, through Facebook that suddenly. People that you would never have an opportunity to, to invite to your you know uh, church you know trunk or treat or fireworks display are suddenly being invited because of the way Facebook works.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things where like you can't you can't plan going viral, you can't plan going big. But what you can do is you can scatter as much seed as you can, and then let let your let God do His part, but also empower your people to get involved that you know the, the the beauty of the social network is that uh, a Facebook page uh, has a very small organic reach you got to pay for a larger reach uh, but uh, your your hardcore community fans will uh, will do, will extend that reach for you by sharing and liking your posts if you especially if you if it's your church people and you say hey for
2: Easter we need you to be sharing the crap out of our posts that's true that's true yeah but even in those situations you're still putting in the hard work where it's Fiverr would say, okay, you you want a great brand? Most people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, spends tens of of weeks trying to put this together, testing and all that stuff. And you want a brand that you're saying is going to be the most important thing. And you're going to spend five bucks.
1: Right. But we're, we're thinking smarter, not harder. And like, for example, we have, we do, we do set up paid ads when we feel like uh, we need that
0: extra push, but uh, it's, 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 it's a cost benefit analysis. The thing about Fiverr is that, I mean, as Christians, we, we, we should pay a laborer what they're worth. And I'm sorry, if you're going to pay somebody five bucks for a logo, you shouldn't expect much. And I've read, there's this one article, there's this one post on the interwebs. I'll try to find it uh, to put it in the show note thingies. And they talked about an experiment they did. They paid three different people to create a logo for their their thing. And they found out that, that every design had copied from a design that was already out there. So none of them were original original yeah, logos. Yeah. they were stolen. Yeah, they were stolen essentially. And and then oh, I think maybe one of them used it to try to onboard them as a client. Like you know we could, here, here's this for five bucks, but if you want to do more, blah 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 blah. And I, I don't think that is a way. You know, like Jeremy says over and over. You know, do things well. And I don't think using a service like Fiverr is doing things well no well and and we've been talking about it from
2: the standpoint of the church and do things well but eric i think the thing that hit me the most when you talked about this so passionately is what does this do for the creative process and for people that want to be creative and try to get their stuff out there you you have a whole pitch about that
0: yes yes it's yes and when you do that you're devaluing the creators it's just how the world has cheapened uh sex and sexuality from marriage it's it's a cheapening is what it is because, you know, guys like uh, there, there's some guys that uh, are helping with the No Porn For Me project like um, Mike um, and there's a few other guys that work hard at what they do and they work hard at their craft. And even as they're trying to they, they help this, uh hammer out the No Porn For Me logo and stuff like that, you know, there, you know, the volunteer work, I felt. I felt very grateful that they were doing all this hard work. And there's no way that that kind of hard work goes into something like Fiverr. And the the thought and the idea that there are decision makers that go, hey, why don't we just use Fiverr instead of paying a guy like him while a lot more than you would Fiverr, maybe as much as 100 times more easily. Um, the, the quality and the craftsmanship is, is so different than the fact that the things like Fiverr devalue his hard work saddens me.
2: And I think for me, the one big thing that I took away from just the discussion and trying to figure out my own thought in this process was one of the guys on the no porn for me team was saying, Hey, I want to try to improve my craft. And one of the things that I'm not using my tools for anymore, what could I do? And the initial thought was, Why not go to something like Fiverr just to kind of, he doesn't have any needs as far as finances. Why not just go and kind of use your services out there for much cheaper and you'll be able to kind of build an audience if that's something you want to do. But that is perpetuating that process and and that just feels slimy in and of itself just because of the way you had presented that. I I totally agree.
0: Yeah, I I think you're better off doing stuff pro bono at that point.
1: Like, you know, maybe putting yourself out there through Open Church or through uh, other means to like say, hey, I've got some time. And, uh, you know, like, honestly, if you were a creative who wanted to, uh, didn't need the money, but wanted maybe some tax credit, you know,
0: donate your services to church. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And you put that in your portfolio. And believe me, doing a job that is, quote unquote, valued, you know, anywhere between fifteen hundred to five thousand dollars to build a church a website to put on your portfolio you will feel much better than going on to something like fiverr and offering somebody the same thing and only get paid five bucks i mean it's it, it, it it's completely different the value there yeah you know and it's that respected value and that um yeah a- acknowledged value that's important and to me- to be fair,
2: we do have skin in the game, so I think it's important to recognize that because this affects blogging. If you're going to just cheaply post a whole bunch of posts on on your blog and try to compete with us, then that's competition. I get that, but I don't. I personally, I, I don't know about you, and I would assume I know the answer is I don't care about the competition. But making something that's great that's going to empower the church so that they can do something great. But if you're just trying to come in to to knock Church Mag or some other person off and do a lot of different work and earn the money and you're cheapening that process. Don't just don't.
1: Well, I think so. like, I, I built a website for a guy um, two weeks ago and I charged him 200 bucks because was, I hadn't done it in a long time, like professionally. And uh, it was a really easy deal to um, be like maybe total, five hours and there with some, you know, subsequent like, oh, can you tweak this, tweak that? I'm maybe six hours into it and so I didn't I felt like two hundred bucks was a was a pretty decent price. But then I talked to a buddy of mine who used to who did it all the time and he used to charge five hundred and he would get he would get it. He had a lot of clients. So I'm discussing with discussing this with my with my wife and she's like five hundred dollars for for maybe six hours of work, and 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 even for her, it seemed like that's that's a crazy amount of money. And I think for some people, digital digital work is so so uh, ephemeral and so just. It's barely there you can't you don't see the work you don't see the mental uh, energy you put into it and uh I mean I agree it's very transitory what what is it what does it cost to pay for words you know right. what does it cost to pay for for
0: lines and color exactly and you know as far as the 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 web design stuff goes I mean charging a hundred dollars an hour is is not uncommon because the truth of the matter is, is that when you're, when you're freelance and you're in business for yourself like that, there are so, there are so many costs, right? It's not like you're actually making that per hour. There's not only tools... Oh, no, I
1: only, I only, I only made $100 right. in the whole thing. So I had yeah, there's not stuff,
0: only that, you know. but then if you're doing it as your livelihood, you know, you have things like taxes and and these other things that just gobble up that funds, those funds very quickly. Also, you have to realize that it's not like you can always book projects out so that you're working eight hours a day, five days a week. It's You're not a machine, and it's not an assembly line, and work comes in and ebbs and flows. And so... You know that that's that's the going rate, and so um, and I think you're absolutely right about what you said about the fact that it's digital, that that really that really changes things. Also, people and all the creatives are going to stand up and cheer for this, and everyone else is going to probably be offended. But the general public doesn't actually have very good taste, and so you know when, when decision makers are like website A or website B. They often can't actually tell the difference.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes when you're shopping, you buy the Walmart brand instead of the name brand. Even though everybody knows the name brand tastes better, you just want to save the money. Except where Dr. Thunder is concerned, it tastes better than Dr. Pepper. Maybe. I I know that the the chips, we had the chips figured out when we lived in the States. We're like, this chip, Walmart brand is like the same, and this one, don't ever buy that because they're gross. So... I don't know. Is that the way it is with Fiverr? I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I think, okay, so I was, uh, um, I, uh, I started writing an
1: e-book for fun. Well, not for fun. More out of desperation and frustration. But I was writing, <laughs> we'll call it fun because there was, no, there was no discernible path to revenue. So I was writing an e-book, and uh, the first chapter was calling it Words for Sale. And I was doing this, you know, thought piece on Charles Dickens, you know, writing a Christmas carol. He wrote a Christmas carol to make money. Um, He needed some money. He needed a, he needed a quick quick hit. So he wrote a Christmas carols as a serialized serialized story in a magazine. And uh, I was just thinking about how like you know people love that book and would pay money for that book, and they they pay money to see the movies based upon that book. And mm-hmm. yet, if you told them, "Hey, I'm going to write a blog post. I want you to pay a quarter to view it," you know, like, what? Am I going what? You kidding me? And it's but just the it's like <laughs> is it because Dickens had to actually spend money on paper and ink that you were you're because like because my costs already invested into a laptop. You don't think I I need the money, right?
2: I being said, he didn't just create this 10 second thing right. to put out there to try to make a couple of bucks. Yeah. He put out a novel that became a, a classic icon.
1: Right? No, he. I mean, he he wrote. His words were had value, but the words were still intended for a financial gain. And so, my point there was that, and, and part of my point in the whole thing was that just because you want to make money doesn't mean you're you're less in your craft.
2: Sure.
1: At the same time, you know, if someone's pouring themselves into a project, they deserve the money for that project. Right.
2: That's. I true. mean, I fully support the Michael Hyatt thing of you need money to support the thing that you want to talk about, so go make money, and I I totally agree with that. But don't do it with very little input and investment, even if that investments, creativity, time and acknowledgement that the process isn't easy.
0: Yeah. And blogging is a funny thing because on ChurchMag, we post infographics and funny YouTube videos and creative art done by other people. And, you know, we're sharing things that, uh, that that we haven't done you know, we, we try to add some sort of value in our own, our own spin on it, which is blogging etiquette and how blogging works, but it's not fully created. And, and, and so I say that so people aren't too discouraged and think, oh man, I have to have like, you know, 500 to a thousand words that's totally original. And I, I can't do that. And, um, that's not exactly how blogging works. There's a, there's an ebb and a flow, but I, I that's where the lines sometimes get blurry, I think, when you go too far in the other direction and you kind of have that fiver mentality.
2: I think for me, the ultimate takeaway in this process is if you're going to do something, don't just blindly go searching and say, oh, this is Walmart cheap, I'm going to go for it. So like, actually put the time and investment and try to make something worth amazing. And don't kill an entire industry just because you want something cheap. That's a terrible reason to get the product you're doing.
0: Right. And, and and be careful because there are people out there who, you know, a lot of times their information that they put out there is very valuable and can help you um, spread your hard crafted things out to the web so that people find it. And but just be careful because there is a line that's crossed that just becomes propaganda and a strategy that that is just... Cheap and gross. I mean, we, we share some of that information to help churches know good times to post and stuff like that. But I think that you have to be careful. It's easy to to go too deep and drowned in the the idea. And like you said earlier, Jeremy, that that feeling of I want to be successful. I want to be famous. You know, I want to make six figures blogging every day. Because the truth of the matter is, is that if you're going to do that, it is a lot of it is a lot of hard work. If you're going to do that. And even and even all that hard work isn't going to be uh, if you do X Y and Z you will get success because that just doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, because you want to you want to be a good steward of the, of the church's resources. You don't want to spend a ton of money. Like we found a I, I think I threw it away, but I found a, a letterhead from my church from 2011 with our old logo that we spent a crazy amount of money on, and it was a terrible logo mm-hmm. and. I, I remember I was talking to our, our lead, who was on who was on staff at the time, and he said, "Yeah, I remember that. People people were like going crazy. They loved that logo, and it looks like it looks like MS Paint. It's terrible. And uh, we spent a ton of money on it. We spent like I mean, the lowest number I'd heard was a thousand dollars." That we spent on this I mean arguably disgusting logo that we replaced within six months. Wow. Ooh, mm. ooh that's yeah. I was I was all for we, it until I heard the six months part. And oh, we replaced we replaced it. <laughs> we replaced it. Uh well, I think it was, it was within six months. I think it was within a calendar year. I don't, I think I'm guessing about six months because we didn't pay somebody else to do it. We had our we had our, our current lead on staff said, "Hey, you take three hours a week for the next two weeks and make a new logo." Right.
0: So, so what do you think? What do you think the the bottom line, the boom shakalaka, the point of this podcast is? You know, um, from a uh, fr- from an objective point of view. Because you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're in charge of something at a church of a hundred people, you know, like what's your takeaway from this? Cause that's really, that's really who, because the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, mega churches with big budgets, they have an actual creative team they pay and then larger churches, they can go out and they can hire somebody. So what do you say to the church of a hundred, 200 people? What's the takeaway for, for, what's the takeaway for them?
1: If it, if it feels too good to be true, it is. So pause, if it seems like you're getting a great deal, pause for a minute. You might be getting a good financial, you know, numbers upfront deal, but are you getting something that's quality that will last you? It might be better for you to just, uh, you know, be who you are with your, you know, text only logo for a while until you can, uh, you know, properly move beyond that and and get something a little
2: more, uh, a little more big churchy, quote unquote. And I've done a lot of different um, reading as far as just trying to figure out my own stance. And I, I don't want to go and create something great anymore. Um, I'm kind of beyond the whole entrepreneur process. But I want to be part of something amazing, which is why I signed on with Church Mag and kind of left everything behind. And one of the things I've been finding in this role is I've reread Good to Great. And I, I know I talked to you guys in the back channel about this, about how. Amazing. This could be for church mag of the idea that if you're willing to put in that time and energy and not settle for the good, but only push for the greats, that good is a fiber mentality of we've got a hundred, we got a thousand dollar budgets and we need to spread across the entire church. Great. So let's use Fiverr and the, re- the other $995 we use for something else in ministry. That's wonderful. But the great version is saying, how can we expand that budget from 1000 to 2000 How can we cut the things that we don't need? And if we really do want to do this logo thing, how can we do it to the best of our ability in this process? And I think that in this process, I wonder if churches can do that really, really well. Knowing that we have to make sacrifices and we're working with a very lean budget all the time in every church, big and small. Can we still do good to great process?
0: I would say that if you are able to pay full price, then you need to pay full price. Never go into a situation. I don't care if you have a graphic artist that goes to your church. Do not go into that situation like you are going to get something for free. And certainly don't go into that situation thinking that you're going to get a great discount. Be honorable and go into that situation and say, look, we know you are professional can you do this for us? And what, you know, what are you going to charge us? And please don't abuse it either because I've talked to other freelancers and I will say that, that freelancers that specialize in churches and ministry, you are brave people because they are some of the, um, they are some of the, the, uh, most high maintenance clients that you can have. So don't be that church. Please don't be that church.
2: And, and I get the penny pincher part of it. Exactly.
0: So that I, I think that that should be acknowledged. Exactly. But, but I 100% agree with what you're saying, Eric. Exactly. If if that creative professional that's in your church pitches you a price you can't afford, say, oh, that's just too steep for us. I'm sorry. But thank you so much. You know, you know. Let if, if they want to give you a discount, then let them give you a discount. But don't go in there thinking you're going to get a discount. Because that's just not honorable. That's just not honorable. And it's not respectful to them. It's cheapening what they do. Because I find it very curious that oftentimes that churches expect free websites. They expect, there there are certain things they expect to be free, but they know they have to pay for lawn care. And they know they have to pay to have um, oftentimes somebody on staff to take care of taxes and answer the phones, right? And so there's some things that are automatically, everyone assumes you get paid to do. Building websites, doing creative stuff like that, making video productions, et cetera. Um, while you can have volunteers just like you can have volunteers with everything else with work, um, it, it is a craft and it should be respected and it is a service that people pay to have. So quit trying to get it for free all the time.
2: And if you're truly ministry honoring God, then you probably should be honoring the person that's being creative and doing exactly what God did the very first day he created the entire universe. So honor them as well. And my own personal mentality is I'm a penny pincher. I'm going to save in everything I can. But as soon as it's something that's important to me, like my children's health, I'm not going to sit there and say, Oh, this is probably not the thing that I need to do. It's I need to take care of my family. And if this is something that's honoring God in this process, he will reward me in a different way in another time. And I need to just simply be the father that I need to be. Same thing with the communication instructor. There's times to save money. And then there's times to actually pay for what you need to pay for. And if it's truly blessing the entire kingdom,
0: God will honor that later. Right. and like Phil said, like Phil said, if you can't afford it now, stick with what you have and do it later because there's a lot of pressure especially on on churches of 100 and 200 people to to perform like a mega church. Stop! Right. Stop right now! You're not going to have the well, lights. You're not going to have the the fog effects. You're not going to have the totally awesome rockin' website with the full video background happening. You're not going to have those things. You can't afford it, and it's okay. Well, like
1: my church moved from a church of 150 to a church of now 350, and we have some of those now those those big church affectations. Mm-hmm. But by and large, our community doesn't care. Our community still small town community, <laughs> exactly. If you're a church of 100, 200 people, I guarantee your committee doesn't care that you still use Helvetica, okay? It's all right. I mean, we
2: care. We care deeply, but your, your community doesn't care. Just as, co- just as long as it's
0: not comic sans.
2: Or,
1: or papyrus. <laughs> that crap should be burned.
0: If you have something to say, be sure to use the hashtag CMagCast on Twitter or email us at podcast at churchmag. Tell us what you think about the Church Mag podcast by leaving a review on iTunes. We always love those, and we always share them. And as always, ask us anything by visiting ChurchMag forward slash Riddle Me This. Until next week. Uh, speaking of stifling and that... No, that's a stupid thing to say. Edit that out um, <laughs> so critical, so quickly. I know, right? Out of my own thing. You know, some people self-edit on the inside, and I'm like externally editing. It's very ugly. Um,
2: or some people are like me, and they don't edit at all, and it's just gives them problems with.
0: Uh, Phil, you sound a little quiet. Was it because you're away from your mic? Yes, I was. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How you doing? I am doing well, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Good
1: morning, Italy.
0: The Church Mag podcast is proudly hosted on Buzzsprout.com. So oh, that, maybe that's what it was. So I was listening to the podcast and uh, again so I was reminded of the fact that Jeremy thinks of even claimed that he he came up with most of the topics, which is factual, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. If we looked in the archives we would find that That was
2: that was supposed to be a bit and it came off as such a narcissist. I was hoping well, someone would push back on that.
0: No we didn't push back on it, Jeremy, because <laughs> it's didn't
2: true. At all. I was hoping someone would push back on it.
0: No, we're like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Phil and I are like, yep, that's true. True story. Mm-hmm. I will say that I wasn't I able think to.
1: I, I, think, I think I knew what Jeremy was trying to do. I thought, <laughs> nope, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.